Welcome to Fundamental Fridays, where we provide you practical tips and tricks for working on and in your business. My name is Devin. And my name is Thor. And today we're talking about the importance of understanding your target market. So important. But before that, always important to give an update. Oh, yeah. Quick rundown on where America is at. I would, I mean, outside of being incredibly busy and trying to build as many relationships as possible and figure out where we fall, because Minnesota, as big as it feels, as the Twin Cities, is a big place. I say that with air quotes. It's really starting to feel like a smaller place. Um, working our way through that and events this last week, though, met with, I would say, a family friend, but really it's a friend of a friend who owns a business with his father. It's an incredible thing that they've created. And he got an opportunity to meet Devin, spend some time together, and is thinking he'll probably want to bring us on board in some way, shape, or form, which is cool, again, to be able to be fully transparent with someone and have them absolutely love what you have to offer or the value you bring through intelligence and strategy. Yeah, it makes it practical that really what business comes down to, no joke, is five people sitting in a room did I say sipping in a room or did I say sitting? I think you said sitting. Okay, I heard good. sitting. I want to make sure it could sitting be sipping. In a room. It's the same. Di- I mean, <laughs> we were sitting and we were sipping bourbon, <laughs> just getting to know everyone in their business. And we, I came there from an angle of I just, this is awesome. I've heard a lot of cool things about you. And two hours later, someone who's in their 30s and someone who's in their 60s, all of a sudden we're both on board. Like, we, we, we need to work with you guys. And that's just, that's the epitome of what business is. It's beautiful. Just to get to know people. Oh, yeah. Like, we, we never once, had the intention of like, we should work together. Like, no, no. it was just, hey, we're hanging out. These are like-minded people. Again, because I'm going to say beautiful mind. So I'm going to say Brian has an awesome mind and perspective when it comes to business and same thing with his dad. And just being able to sit in the room together and have you guys meet is wonderful. And that's going to be a relationship that I think blossoms into something really cool because they definitely know a handful of people that, again, you got to meet. Yeah. And I would say outside of that, had insane week at events. Our tip, if you're starting a business and you're younger, meaning under, let's say, 45, so it's younger for starting a business, I would say, really good idea to connect with people that are under 45. Don't just focus on those with wisdom that have many years before you, but focus on those 45 and under because they're running the same race as you. And what we found out real quick is as long as you're not direct competitors, even then they still want to hang out. But if you're not direct competitors, they're going, how can we do business with you? How can you do business with us? And they're trying to help you scale, which is awesome. So just a, a good tip to find those who are running the same race. And I would say even goes less about age and probably more just about if you're in a startup phase under 5 million, you're all trying to hustle the same direction, likely willing to work together. So Yeah, you're all sharing a commonality and just common ground yeah. to where it's like, hey, even if we are competitors, how you know what are you doing that's successful? And what am I missing? So. Yeah. Fantastic on that end, but I, I, as bad as it sounds, and not to, we're not discriminating against age. It's just no. the way that each generation talks and how we can communicate. And there are times where we run into people that are closer to our age, and they are just hungry because they have jumped in and they understand how hard it is to swim. Yeah, and, and that just is what it is. 
in the uh, when you look at someone who's more seasoned, they already have their connections, they already have their network. So it's not even an insult to us. They just know, hey, I have my resources that work. No, like I'm trusted. New. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our update. But yes. Going good. Like just great week. Hard argument. Week. Met amazing people. Went to amazing events. Saw friends that we'd been meeting over the last few months we hadn't seen in a while. So good. Oh yeah. That and then I think the other thing to take away just for words of wisdom, and Devin uh, had said this when we were walking to lunch the other day, but it's one of those moments when it feels like we're just going so hard and so busy, and it's like, it is tiring. We are getting a little fried. But he had brought up a fantastic point that, hey, the seasonality of where we live is right around the corner. We've got maybe two months, as well. yeah, I forget max, what time yeah. frame. We're like, he's like, we've got another two months, if that, and then everyone's going to be gone because it's going to be the summertime we're in minnesota hard argument on that and i can't even get upset at that so one of those moments of be cognizant of the situation that you're in and how the seasons may play a part in your business and that networking yeah 100 so thor yes we're in a 10-week series about the gtm we go, are go to market strategy meaning how do i bring a product or a business into a new market Last week we did market analysis with Jared, learned about his greenhouse business mm -hmm. and all the exciting expansions they're currently working on and how they decided to go that direction. But if you're gonna expand, you probably should know like who you're expanding for, right? But in my head, like, what well, does it really matter? Can I just, you know, wing it and let all it happen? Willy-nilly. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you can, and there are businesses that we see all the time that are proving that you can technically do that, but they're sitting there a nervous mess and kind of a disheveled mess really to sum that up and not understanding how they even got to where they got to which doesn't seem appealing and then they're immediately going to want to just ditch the business because of stress and other reasons um, and really honing in and focusing on that helps you use your money and time in a much wiser way you know you hone in on your icp or your ideal client profile everything from time to marketing is helpful on that end. I think I'm wrapping that up, or at least not wrapping it up, but like discussing it yeah, it's the like right a, direction. A really I'm like, good analogy though, that really explains like, why are, we, why are we doing this? Like in the end- Oh, so I would say that it's like, you're throwing a party and you don't even end up inviting anyone to it. So what's good about throwing a party that no one's going to attend? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be lonely. You just kind of be sitting there. And the weird part is that's what people do. They're like, well, Mm -hmm. And someone's sitting on the other side listening going, well, no, I threw a party and I invited everyone and nobody still showed up. Well, it was probably that awkward moment where everyone you invited had no idea who you were. And like some lunatic just dropped into my email inbox or LinkedIn and pinged me 1,400 times with my, their drip list begging me to come to this event. They don't know you. They don't even want what you have to sell. You know, you're probably targeting someone who loves skateboarding and you want your whole festival it's against skateboarding not going to show up not going to happen horrible yeah. idea so target i sell about not only throwing a party that you invite people to but you invite the right people in the room so that you all actually have fun at the party right mm -hmm. well then and, and i mean to piggyback on that same analogy again if you're throwing a party right you're going to take time you're going to set everything up you're going to go out of your way to find hors d'oeuvres or drinks take time to actually prepare right and then it's all for nothing because you're just targeting no one. Yeah. Or if you think or, about it, like you're saying, so you go get hors d'oeuvres and you invite everyone and they ended up being vegan and you only have meat. Well, this is, woof, this is awkward, awkward now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess we're all not eating. So what a target audience is from extremely high level overview is who are the key clients, customers, companies that my product or service is designed for and will service directly, right? So who yeah. actually is my number one buyer? My ideal client profile is another way to put it that would use my service. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it's helping you focus in on a smaller market to target. It's helping you develop more personalized messaging around that targeting that actually speaks to them versus those generic emails we get all the time that says, hey, you know, you could send this to anybody underneath the company underneath in the world and they're going to buy the solution, right? It just, it's, it's not efficient. It's just a mass reach. It's like mm -hmm. throwing a net in the ocean that has holes in it. Well, all nets have holes, but big holes. And you just don't catch anything, right? It's like, no, we're, we're, we're trying to that catch. that on you. You're like, wait a minute. A net does have holes yeah. in it. Like, mm, but it's, nope. getting, it's two big holes. You know, the Bigger fish aren't holes. staying in. They're swimming right out. You're like, well, that's not. But I caught, you know, the really big fish, but they're not my target audience. I'm trying to pull the fish out of the water. The crane breaks. My boat sinks. The whole ship's done with. So don't want that to happen. I'm going to ride this analogy just to the disaster. end, right? Yeah. Woof. So how do you, how do you figure out or find who your target audience is just for question's sake because i know you've probably got a solid answer on this end not to throw it in your court blindly but so first step comes back to market research that first thing we talked about right yeah yep, yep, understanding yep. here's what i have who's going to use out in the market is an actual needed service you go out there and do a bunch of research so we'll step back to when i sold shred back in my day. <laughs> so I started a, a, a information security and destruction division a few years ago. And when we originally, a company asked me to start a division, they said, hey, you know, we want you to start a paper shredding business. And I was like, oh, you mean like shred it where everyone screams like shred when the truck goes by? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, this sounds <laughs> we like- We got a sound clip that, by the way. <laughs> sounds like a horrible idea. And the reason, it was a horrible idea at first because our target audience was anyone who shreds paper. Well, that, that, that's I mean, pretty broad. Yeah, that's massive. <laughs> and so through market research, what we found out was there is a sub-segment of customers who, yes, shredded paper, but also needed hard drive shredded, also needed the ability to have all their electronics recycled, and also needed someone to help with the legal documentation for ensuring that they have, are meeting all the standards for properly disposing of physical devices that have confidential information on it, from paper to electronics. Oh, sure, because there's tons of regulations on a lot of that stuff that yeah. you don't even think of. Yeah. Computers, technology, hardware, yep. all that stuff. What else am I missing? Uh, yeah, just absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah, all of it. I Cell phones, it all. like anything oh, that's storing it, even uh, USB drives or something that you have to properly destroy. Of. You know, you oh, can't wow. just throw it away. I would have never thought if that. If there's yeah. confidential... Or printers, they have a memory on it. So yeah. Oh, that's so if you some print, on order SVU yeah. stuff right there. Depending on it, you could have anywhere from three to 500 pages of information saved. Well, if you just printed off 500 pages of HIPAA information, someone steals that printer because you just throw it away and they get access to that, you can be sued. So we went, well, our ideal client now, our target audience is those who have high security regulations on them. So they're dealing with HIPAA, FERPA, and other regulations. And they're going, hey, we have to control all intake and outtake of physical documents, especially after they're being retired. So we went from, hey, anyone who shreds paper to, no, hey, like you are a lawyer, you're a banker, you're in healthcare, you're dealing with a lot of confidential stuff. So that's where you first start on narrowing down that ICP is you can't stay broad. It's the number one mistake companies make is keeping it way too broad and going, hey, we, we can sell to everyone. It's something oh, we've classic. talked about a million times. You have to narrow it down to who actually would want to work with me and my services or how do I redesign my services to the ideal client? So when you think 
from a more logical standpoint, not to suggest or imply that someone isn't logical or being methodical about it. But I cannot believe you'd want to cast such a wide net and not understand where you're getting the clients that you're getting and potentially waste those marketing dollars and time on any of that versus honing in and being more efficient yeah. with how you're targeting because and understanding you, how how your ideal client is taking in that information or getting it in front of them. Yeah. How did you guys do that then? So what we found out when you start broad, uh, you sell on price is really what it comes down to. So a great thing, remember, if you want to stay broad, go for it. You, you can get your three points of margin and never sell your company at anything worth keeping. It's just what's going to happen. I hate to be brutal. It's Devin true. says so casually. <laughs> You're not going to be able to sell it. So what luckily through what we found out through general market research, so we're reading Gartner, Forrester, going online doing research. We found this ecosystem that existed. Thank you, by the way. I'm like, well, how are you doing the research? I yeah. know it sounds vague and like, well, Thor, he's just Googling stuff. And it's like, yeah, but the minute you start sinking your teeth into some of this stuff, you think you could just throw it into Google. And it's like, why is this impossible to find? And it yeah. takes a little bit of legwork. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you can spend... So for me to develop our entire go-to-market strategy that I did for the company I grew over five years while I was there, it was three months of 50 to 60 hours a week on just that division I wanted to start for him is what it took to build something that was truly robust that ended up four states, right? 38% EBITDA, oh, like yeah. it blew up, right? But the only reason why is the amount of nitty gritty detail was ridiculous. Rolling and so, up the sleeves. I was like, let's go deep. I'm going to work. <laughs> so what we did is after we identified, hey, there's this unique ecosystem we can service, well, we went and started interviewing potential clients. And you would be surprised if you send out an email saying, hey, hoping you can help us with something. We're trying to understand this market in your needs, make it about them and helping because everyone wants to help. We sat down with probably 30 or 40 different clients said, hey, what is your ideal situation to have a client service outside of just shredding paper? They'd be like, well, it'd be nice. And through conversation, we ended up honing down this overall service based on one simple thing, their pain points. And that's part of your target audience is you need to understand what's their true pain points, not what are they saying, but what are they willing to pay for? Because through a lot of the meetings, people are like, well, this is a pain point. And so you just ask directly, okay, so if you're if your pricing went up 15% to solve that, what would your response be like? I mean, we'll just kind of deal with it, right? So yeah. then you started filtering through what mattered and what didn't. Super bashful about like, well, I mean, it wouldn't be cool. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but but we 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 do it. We yeah. do it. Like, ah, okay. Well. Yeah. So that was the next part. It's it's you first are going on Google, literally just searching generic things. If you are out there doing your own research, start with Gartner, Bain. McKenzie and Forrester and Deloitte are top Deloitte, five. Yeah. Are your and then IDC for like if you're trying to decide how big of a market actually exists for you. So how big meaning in Minnesota is it ten million dollars worth of soda sales or is it ten billion dollars worth of soda sales? And so it's just drastic to understand. difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good good sense of perspective there is yeah. what I think you're getting at. Right. My goodness. So then outside of that, so like personalization, how did you guys? end up working that yeah with it i'm sorry i'm just grilling you with questions today and he's, he's talked to me about this plenty of times but it's always just a general quick overview but it sounds like it just went it blew up because i remember you, I, I forget where we were but i knew you were doing this i think you ran into me at at&t oh yeah i, I think did. so yeah and i was like what are you doing and you're like oh man and he was so jazzed about it he was just on cloud nine and i'm like shredding like okay like, 
cool iron <laughs> mountain yeah, yeah. let's go uh, so again just showing his true character has not really changed or diverted a whole lot it's it's aged well but it's just hilarious <laughs> to see that same yeah. kind of energy at, just, at, oh. at almost 30 it's yeah. just like okay because how old were you doing this I was 24 when I started. Yeah. <laughs> we were all making good decisions at 24. Yeah, 24. I can imagine. Yeah. Lots of sarcasm, but sorry. So, <laughs> so personalization, interesting part of it. So we started the first uphill battle was getting extra investment. Cause what we found out when we want to talk about like a specific personalization, we were meeting with clients and one of the, the biggest problems, and this is gonna be surprising to, to the audience other, most companies have no idea what to do with their electronic waste or what people call e-waste. So computers, laptops, monitors, cell phones, hard drives, cables, they're like... But isn't it just a pain to get rid of anyways? Isn't that kind yes. of, I mean... But, but it's a pain because no, they literally, like, we do, we can't throw it away. So yeah. you'd go to places and we called it the graveyard. Oh, and you would go room. into basements where oh, we would move no. half a semi-load of stuff out that has, you know, if Gabe what, was at a hospital and he was there, they probably had his social security number on a just hard drive chilling in the basement for the last five years since he was there last. Like, it was... You're bringing so much comfort to our audience. Oh, that's what I'm trying. Uh, like, well, I, I have been to the hospital. Well, they probably just have your stuff laying in the basement somewhere, you know, for someone to come in and steal. Yeah. Man almighty. So, so that's... crazy. And so what we found out was what cell companies were disposing of hard drives. So picture a hard drive, right? There's a lot of confidential stuff on there, okay? And you're just talking like the little silver. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It did lots like of sizes. Thing. Yeah. 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 So what most companies would do is they'd come on site. This is horrifying with a trash can and they would count them and just throw them in this trash can. Then they would drive away with them and shred them at their facility. And they go, yep, we shredded 400 hard drives. You're good. Nux, have a great life. You're solid. And that was technically compliant because it was a reasonable measure. That's a reasonable measure. Like, <laughs> yes. I just, I don't have proof of it, but I'm telling you, you told me you have 400. So I shredded 400. Yeah. And so we started listening to customers like, okay, we can't personalize paper shredding. Pretty basic. Put the bin in, shred it on site, move on with life, okay? You can't personalize writing legal documents. What you have to have is what you have to have. They're just mm -hmm. outsourcing it because they don't know the laws. So Devin was in a you know corner in the basement writing legal documents, not enjoying my life at all. But when it came to the electronic side, there was two major pain points. And the hard drive side, what we ended up developing was, well, what if we came on site, we scanned the barcode on every single hard drive, which then automatically uploaded in a computer system. Then we went out to the truck, we shredded them on site. Ooh. And then after we shredded them on site, we provide you, provided you a legal document listing out all of your hard drives. So then you can go back and reference with the current retired assets and you can identify if one of your satellite locations never returned their laptop they're supposed to. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so That's everyone okay. was like, okay, like, yes, we need that. Cause there'd be people who would find hard drives in there underneath the truck seat, right? Like think about it, it's just in a bin rolling around. Oh <laughs> it's crazy how it's something so incredibly important with what's on it, but how quickly we are just comfortable with like, I don't know, it's a piece of garbage. And like, well, I mean, it's yeah. not, I mean, it is, but it's not. Get it yeah. in the wrong hands. That's scary. Holy smokes. And, and then on the other personal side, we, what we found out was companies, if you had to recycle e-waste, you had to filter it. So you had to like separate keyboards here, mice here, cables here. And we developed a system like just throw it all in a bin. We'll pick it up. We'll make it disappear. And you don't pay anything. Wow. That blew the entire, that, that's a blue, just absolutely blew open the doors for us in the market. People were, didn't understand it. It seemed too good to be true. But uh, 
local company in St. Cloud, Minnesota, IRT. Tyler Matheson's a great guy there. And Tony Celtic, they hooked us up. And that really helped us break into the market officially because we identified pain points. We've developed personalized solutions for our ideal client, which we only targeted healthcare, banks, and legal. Like they were, everyone else we'd call, we, if you call this, we're gonna show up. Oh, sure. But we didn't focus our marketing tactics. We didn't focus our cold calls. We didn't focus our time there, which comes back to that differentiation and efficiency in what you're doing in the market. So when you guys first are like, I, and I don't know, I say multiples, but like when you were pitching this idea, right, to your upper leadership or whoever is gonna be the, the major decision maker, did they object or how was it pitched initially to go from such a broad spectrum to substantially more narrow? Yeah. So like, and, 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 I'm, and I'm sorry to like, just again, just grilling you, but I'm just sitting here like, okay, so how did, cause it starts out as a vague idea oh, yeah. and then you're going through combing through all of it, yeah. understanding the market you're going to go into. How did that look from a management perspective? Were they on board with that or were they just like, you got to go just, just literally sell it. You're good. So at first, that, that was the tactic. At least showed up. They stuck me in a cube and they go, hey, uh, in three months, you need to hit the market with this. Yeah. And then they just walked away. I'm like, can you no one talk to me for three months? It was the weirdest three months of my life. I just pictured Devin in the lunchroom just eating all by himself. I was. Just no was one's so even lonely. in there. It's just Devin. Just. It's, no as fun, it's now nowhere near as fun as our lunches now. Not even close. Just, I was like the lonely shy dude in the corner. Like, who's the 12-year-old? And I'm like, I don't know. Someone brought their kid to work day. Yep, you know? I would <laughs> say it's someone's kid. Just ignore him. Leave him alone. But what was fascinating, I learned very quickly from my old job at Hormel that facts and statistics win everything. And I have probably taken that. Actually, no, I didn't take it too far in my career. I love facts and statistics. I will never open my mouth or argue something unless I have some pretty stone cold hard truth to like back up what I'm arguing to the point where at my old company, they always made fun of me. Like if Devin comes to argue a point, just don't argue it because he will pull up 1400 spreadsheets with 30,000 links and just go at it. It is (laughs) frustrating to argue with him. I do do it and I seldom win, but... it's not that it's just fun so great conversation it <laughs> yes. is fun because you do get wholesome poked in and i'm like great question i need to go figure out the answer <laughs> with them they bought in right away other than one person which blew my mind because i was asking for more money i need another million dollars oh that's an easy ask yeah, just, mom hey. dad i just need another mill yeah that's all i need it's no big deal but they bought in because of the research, the market analysis I did, and then the fact that I narrowed it down. They're like, this isn't broad. You have such a clear vision. Oh, of- so you you brought them oh, a yeah. narrowed approach yeah. right out the gate. Right out okay. of the gate. I was like, this is how we win. This is who we go after. This is what we offer. Here's the market research done. Here is the uh, interviews we've held with over 30 or 40 of your core um, customers inside of your current company. And here's how we go win against, and we'll talk about it later, but you're the competition. I had that all mapped out. Here's what they aren't doing. Here's what we are, we need to do to fish in. And so we did that and went from the million dollar investment made him go, this is no longer a short-term play. This is a long-term play. And that's what I needed them to buy in on because as you and I know, so many people invest in Americai and like, we'll get sales in three months, right? Like that's reasonable. No, you're looking at like six to 12 months where you're going to see return. It's just, it's not possible. Yeah, no, you're moving. Yeah, I mean, well, you're you're correcting a literal either cargo ship or a cruise ship. Like, yeah, that just doesn't move fast, unfortunately. It's way too big to try and turn it around in the matter of a day. Yeah. So, and, and that's setting expectations, though, too, with the people that you're working with is setting expectations to how things are actually going to work. And that kind of can thin the herd, too, right? Yeah. 
that's both on management side and on potential buyer side. Yeah, 100% agree. So any kind of like mistakes or I mean, just to not, you know, not to no, jump yeah. around, but any mistakes or anything you saw going through that process or what is a common mistake? I, I should should frame the question better. I'm sorry, I'm being lazy with my words. Mistake. I f the biggest mistake probably out of the gate was assuming that everyone would want our solution because it met our core clients um, pain points so well. So it was like, hey, this is so valuable to healthcare, banking, and legal. Everyone's going to want it. Oh, just making the assumptions. Yeah. So we were three three to six months in. It was going great everywhere in our, in our core focus. So we're like, well, let's just go after everyone. <laughs> in Thor's words, I have never gotten my cheeks clapped so hard in my life. Because people are like, we don't have anything confidential. We actually, like, I had police departments tell me they would bring the hard drives out back to the gun range and shoot them or they would host bonfire nights where they would courthouses in small towns would take all your court documents and have a bonfire night where everyone would grill hot dogs and eat s'mores as they burned the confidential documents i have so many more questions <laughs> so than answers here it became so relevant on your icp because it was like if you go out in these like rural areas or if you target the wrong client they're like yeah we we just don't care like we, we don't like no one's gonna that's, come sue us that's a hard smoke screen in sales yeah why don't you want this i don't care yeah i don't need it it doesn't matter i literally it doesn't yeah i oh yeah God. like no one's gonna sue me it's fine it's okay as you're walking by and you pull like i had customers you pull out of their trash like oh here's someone's credit card number yeah it's fine and what's crazy is technically ip or intellectual property is is your cell phone number is your email because oh. that's not public oh not intellectual probably, number, private yeah. information pi private, sorry, private information PI. So, yeah so no that is how that's a, my other job is ip um <laughs> intellectual property is really important too but intellectual property is builders so we try to get construction companies to realize oh, like sure. your plans are actually like intellectual property oh, yeah. you design don't didn't care and you'd go buy sometimes you have people digging in their dumpster pulling plans out that's nice Again, so comforting. This yeah. is very, this is very insightful information that Devin is providing us. I'm so glad I keep asking questions and I immediately regret just like, wow, I, I was going to sleep sound tonight. Now I'm not. So, but I think you can speak to the value of not overlying on a single channel and you have to take your time to scale in there. But I feel like even Merakai's of lately is ready. We have everything ironed out that we're expanding to more channels. But can you speak to that? Like, what does that mean? More channels? Like, how do I know if my target audience is even at that channel? Well, I think it, it's to what you had been getting at earlier is it's understanding their their pain points and where they're going to plateau or hit a ceiling. And that's something where it took us a lot of, I don't want to call it trial and error because it's, it's, it's not. Because the majority of people who we meet on a regular basis, it's just building relationships and listening to stories. But listening to those stories, just like on Friday, being like, well, you know, we started doing this and we, you know, we, we gained some traction or we haven't changed this in forever. And it's just letting someone tell their story. And then you slowly hear something and you're like, so that is painful. Don't do that. We can definitely improve on that. And I think that's something that as we've slowly gone and met and been to, a, you know, different 
associations we've learned and found out for ourselves of like hey these people just do not gravitate towards our services they do not think they need them they are not going to be interested we've confirmed that with other people so really i think it ties into how you went and actually interviewed your biggest competitors or people who are going to potentially need your services as that neutral that's so playful and just like hey we understand that this is something you may not think of but you may have a pain point around could we just interview you yeah i'm not selling you anything i don't want to i'm I'm not selling you anything i yeah. promise and that's kind of quietly what we've been doing and vetting out what's going to work and what isn't yeah and i'd say that's where we found out hey like being on TikTok and youtube shorts is super valuable oh, yeah. to us while linkedin is important to capture the current audience who are probably making the decisions there's this whole demographic coming up that are going to be if not now, very shortly be making the decisions and the roles that we sell to. Yes. And instantly we noticed, hey, we, we have to get on TikTok. We have to get on YouTube. We have to start building a brand. We're building a brand on LinkedIn, but now we need to build a brand on YouTube Understanding. and Instagram and TikTok so people yeah. know who we are. And that's another sales channel of going, hey, we can't just rely on one path. It's just not going to work. Oh, got to diversify. And that's something that's a little bit comforting on that end too, to where it's like, hey, if one thing is working, or isn't working to try and adjust yeah. and be reaching our target audience. Yeah. Which is funny to think about because I really am like, yeah, no, would I be on TikTok looking for what we're selling? But then as a, as a business owner now, it's like, oh, that actually would be really convenient. Like if, it, if it's an engaging, you know, or if it's engaging content, absolutely. I, yeah. would, I would hit them up and how quick that, that can change. I'm very curious and eager to see our DMs oh, at yeah. some point of like, oh, you guys do this? Can you... Do you guys work in Iowa? Do you guys work in Wisconsin? Or, you know, just to see how far it ends up going or reaching um, is going to be an exciting moment. Yeah. It, and I think back to what we're saying there and some clients we've met with. I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best to walk through this without giving away who they are. But understanding who, who your end customer is that's using your product mm-hmm. isn't always the person you're selling to. Yes. So a great example is we have a customer who uses an extremely unique form of advertising. A lot of money in it. When I heard how much, it blew my mind. But then when I heard the return, I was like, well, yeah. Like I would oh, definitely hard, be using hard to say that. no to. Yeah. But what's interesting is there's a paradigm shift where who they think they should target is probably 30 years from removed of who actually is making that decision. And so there's this whole other market that is actually your core target audience. So understanding just because someone uses it doesn't mean that's the person who's going to recommend buying it. Just like we saw on the Mother's Day video, they found out promoting a solution for moms, like it's it's for a mom. They originally were going to target a mom, but they decided to target the daughters <laughs> and it blew it up, right? And I was yeah. also I was like, oh no, th- this isn't, but it's for this person. I know that's who your ICP is, but it's not necessarily who you market it to. So making sure you understand that that differentiation is pretty important. Oh, it's huge. That's pivotal. Because again, you're so close to what your end result or what, yeah, you're so close to what you actually want that you may not see that. So you need to be able to really evaluate and pick apart at that. And that's what we've slowly been doing, which is nice. Again, the way that we've kind of pivoted and in our growing, so I want to call them growing pains, but the way that we've pivoted slow down when we need to, to evaluate and look back and then keep moving forward. I feel like it's nice, a a good checks and balance. Well, that's the biggest mistake. I mean, we've read so many papers where most people fall behind because they stop pivoting. So if you're a company who's super successful right now and you're like, hey, I'm good, I know my target audience or my ideal client profile, it's gonna change. 
And if you don't pivot with it, especially as, in my opinion, <laughs> there was this forum on LinkedIn the other day. Of course, and they're it's asking on LinkedIn. what the biggest driver of sales change was. And people are like, technology, um, the go-to-market strategy, AI, and a couple other ones. But the one that people pick the least, I think is the biggest driver of change in, in sales and business in your target audience is culture. I think culture leads everything. And people will argue, no, AI or technology changes culture. And in my opinion, none of that is ever created unless culture wants it. Ooh, so okay. everything That's starts a strong in culture. argument, though. So you need to start watching what culture is doing inside of your space and understand one day you may be selling to a company that is far right up center of a X and Y axis or two by two. I don't feel like so two by two is <laughs> yeah, I was say, you like got to break graph. that down. So for picture people. an X and Y graph and picture you're selling to someone in the top right corner of the graph. Well, so with culture change, now your audience is actually bottom left corner and it's totally different people, but you need to be watching that cultural shift so you can change with that. In the startup phase, I know we're getting a little further ahead if you're not in startup or if you're not, you know, over under 10 million, but those over 10 million, super important thing to track along with. So, so then do you have any best practices for how a company could, if they're successful or even if they're not, as they're just progressing, but take a like pause and take a look at things like that? Yeah. Customer feedback. You need to stay in touch with your current customers. So, so too many clients land a sale, are happy with it and move on until renewal comes up or they, they come on your website if you're B2C and buy again. And too many companies are relying on just sending out an email every week because they bought from Express. And now Express is going to blow them up with coupons. <laughs> the drip list. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't work. You need to find a way to genuinely connect with your audience, which normally means you have to host events. You have to spend money. You have to create some sort of online experience where you have a forum where people want to chat and be part of your product, which comes down to listening to that voice. And you'll start seeing if you're watching demographic shifts will occur inside of there. And demographics are age, um, gender, where you live, uh, your income. There's all these pieces that go into it. And so understanding, I slid my glass over to get a little more of a pour from Thor. Uh, but understanding that piece of it is super important when you're looking at your audience. So yeah, so no, we're going to have to try and funnel said. that back into the bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you aren't driving, right? Teasing. We have another meeting later today. So we... Or tonight, but yeah, you know. Tonight, today. Well, today is quickly becoming tonight yes. at the rate that we're going. And on that note, one, I love the answer there because it's one of those moments that even if you are being successful and you haven't done half this, it's totally fine. But to slow down and just take a look and evaluate what's going on around you, I don't think takes a lot of effort. That wouldn't take much, right? I mean, yes If and you're already no. successful, wait, let me back up. So if yes. you're already successful, Yes. Yeah. Just open your ears, listen to your audience, do a little bit of market Thank you. research. Sino, Gartner, all those are great. Just don't take it for gospel. In the end, strategy is somewhat of a, a guessing game. So let's use that for a gauge, but don't make all your decisions based on their research. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, to, to shift gears a little bit. So we, we always have a, um, a whiskey or a bourbon. Whiskey. We don't do whiskey. Love it's it. always a bourbon. It's always a bourbon. Thank you. Bourbon, 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 bourbon. Yeah, Devin would. I'm sorry. He's We went to bring scotch on. Why does it day. say bourbon whiskey then? That's so that's confusing. Are, don't under, look at the bottle. Explain what are you going to call me dumb? Whiskey. No, it no. looks like a wine bottle. It's it does. Schmuck so. on the other end designed that at hey. Will at Distillery. It's 
It's not terrible. I'm actually. I mean, I'm, I'm okay I'm with that. I'm internally frustrated how good that tastes since it came out of Willet because I'm not a fan of Willet. So I'm I'm a little peeved because someone's gonna be like, I love the Willet brand. And now I'm gonna have to be like, well, there's one bottle I found once because I, I can't. I'm not gonna be a you know pathetic and lie about it, like oh, it's all trash. No, there's a bottle. Oh yeah, no, you're not petty like that. No, no. way. But yeah, oh, I never liked Willet until I had that. They have the really cool bottle. Have you seen it where it's like a it's short. Like oh, stack pancake with a yeah, tall neck, and that's who makes really, this. That's funny, and I've yeah. never, I've never tried that stuff, and it looks Don't. amazing. Oh, it's bad. It's a great mixer. That's depressing. Wow, that misses wow. the glass that and bottle. pours into the sand. Yikes! I okay, like so it. in my opinion, it looks delicious, and that's one of those moments of to to Devin's point, the bottle does matter. Yes. But so we're drinking Noah's Mill, and genuine bourbon whiskey, handmade in the hills of Kentucky. What's the proof on that bad boy? Uh, it's 57.15. 114 proof. So gasoline today. Drink responsibly. Yeah. Moderately is what I'm going to go with because even if you're trying to be responsible, my goodness. But it's... So one, right out right out the gates, it's extremely spicy. Lots of just spice, liquor bite kind of up front on that first sip. But it does have a really sweet finish. That's just where my mind goes, and it, it does go down smooth. Oh, Devin, just lay it on us. He's sitting here so just bashful. Well, that was a good review, Thor, so what do you give it on a score out of 10? Yeah, what do you give it on a score out of 10? I would 10? say it's like, I would say it's an 8. Because, an 8. A solid I gotta eight. look at the price quick, dude. I, I think we're talking like a $45 bottle. That's awkward. No, I'm teasing. No, I'd say it, it, it's an 8. No, but I'd, I'm saying like that's... What are you getting? Online, it's a sixty dollars bottle. Okay, because to me, the cheaper and still is really flavorful, you get a higher rating. This is not a fair even scale. I'm not rating it. I'm I'm giving the bottle consideration. The location, it's Bardstown. It's automatical up. I'm giving the flavor profile. The thing on this is the amount of caramel I can experience out of this is unlike any bourbon I've had. And let me phrase that properly now. Y'all might out there be like, well, I've had Angel's Envy Rides aged in a rum barrel for 12 to 18 months. has great flavor. I'd agree, but that is sweet. Sweet is different than caramel, Thor. Caramel yeah, no, that I would is agree. this smooth, warm experience with this end sweet finish that cuts into the spice. I think uh, I'm going to have to give it a nine, Thor. When I consider everything, I'm going to have to give it a nine. I'm frustrated. Even with the bottle? Yeah. Okay. But I like spice. Like, I want something that's every once in a while, if I'm not ready when I take a sip, my oh, eyes water a little holy. bit. Holy. And that is 100%. I took the first sip and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Holy, take, taking my breath away. Um, but it's it's genuinely, it's really smooth. It's got a very unique taste. Like it's, I mean, great bourbon and I great just, for sipping. I've which, never had one I can taste that much caramel. That's why I think I'm so impressed with it. I would love to put for more of heat. a finger on it. So heat is there, and no, I wish I could like describe. Car- like right. picture, no, no, pick caramel. We're not okay. talking about Milky Way. Or, I, no, no, just wait a minute. Picture you're going up north to Duluth, okay? Going up north You pull over on the side of the roll at the local ba- road, not roll, road. Roll, okay. There's the bakery. Yep. Grandma's in there cooking, and she has her fresh-made melted caramels on the counter that you can buy. Werther's? No, no. I'm teasing. Okay. No, no. These are fresh. And you put it in your mouth. It's still a little Carbs. warm. Okay. And then picture that at the end of the end of the beverage. He's damaged by the peat grass. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, I mean, it was it was a big buildup. I'm going to give you that. It's got a really good aftertaste, though. I'm not hating on it. 
I just am not getting caramel. So did you know that every mouth actually tastes bourbon different? Yeah, yeah. I do, because so cigars are the same way. I know. So one day we'll, one, no, shout out. So really cool concept at Green Screen <laughs> Studios. This is not a plug. This is me just getting really excited about a moment. Gave us the ability to set up locations oh anywhere. Yes. Then you might have to deal with some noise and sound and things like that. But as a whole, the recording, the video experience is pretty close to identical. So this summer, we are totally going to do when we're smoking cigars outside and having a bourbon. And we'll be able to illustrate the extra technique that goes in outside of just his amazing local podcast studio, but how he can come to you. So that's a plug. It's going to happen. Put it in stone. Etch it. So... Yeah. Write it on your calendar. Okay, so now that we know, so talk about target audience. Yeah. Super important. It's something we're, we're working on for a lot of clients. Big part of your go-to-market strategy. It, it, after you do market research, it's going to help you help open your eyes, right, to who wants my product. You're going to see new paths you can take to be more niche and be more customized. But really from there, you have to look at that niche customization you've identified. Mm-hmm. Or what I personally like, Blue Ocean. What? Where's there a lack of competitors? And it's something that we've had clients we've met with where they wanted to go one direction. We've done a bunch of research. Went, hey, we think we should go there long term. And this is probably five or six of them now. But first, we need to build a foundation in a blue ocean to develop your identity, so then you can break into any market. So right now, that's your goal in the market research: find the blue ocean, find the opportunity that's not saturated then take that knowledge and figure out who's my buyer. What's their age? Where do they live? What do they like to do? Like you should be able to picture, hey, my ideal client on a Friday night loves to get off of work, drive home early by three, hook up a boat, go to a boat landing, drop it in the water and go out to sunset and then repeat that all weekend long. You should be able to define it that niche. Doesn't mean you don't sell outside that, but you need to know who those people are. Just like in Marikai, you're insanely innovative, sales driven, looking to double digit growth year over year and do whatever it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, in the end, all your people come first. And if you just don't fit the entire description, just don't work with us. So Which you need totally to get fine, that though, narrow. Yeah. It's totally fine. But you need and it, to and it takes time. Yes. There's, there's not anything saying that this needs to happen overnight. No. But if you give it enough attention, it's going to move fast enough to where it keeps pace with everything else that's going on, going on. Yeah. Right. I mean, oh yeah. I saw, I finally saw a post on LinkedIn. I've been getting fired about people didn't realize you, you got to take time. Like stop trying to know your ideal client profile and know your value proposition, your why right away. Value props next week. Um, Plug. Cause it's just, it takes time meeting with clients. And if you're doing a startup, if you're generally doing a startup, you don't have time to do everything I'm telling you before you do the startup. The best thing you can do is just go out there, face plant 1400 times, pull this, you know, grass out of your teeth, wash your pants because they're going to continually get muddy and just keep going. Yeah. Making sure you're learning from every lesson and applying it to your next engagement, your next website design, your next sales promotion. So then you can get to that end result and have grace on yourself because it's said a million times, but when you start anything, you will be trash. I was trash. Thor's trash. We're all bad at something the very first time we ever do it. Oh, 100%. But you get better. And it, well, it actually shouldn't be trash, right? You're just learning. And it's well, okay. So stop looking at it as being bad. Yes. Uh, and, and not to detract from what you're saying, because it, it makes sense of just failing forward. And that's the way you need to look at it. And you need to understand that the people have gone the road ahead of you. 
the ones that are genuine, the ones that are, are not, and not to say that they're inherently nice, but for the vast majority of us and people out there, if they see someone genuinely trying and stumbling or you know, you're running hurdles and you're knocking them all over, totally fine. They're going to sit there. They're going to give you best practices, tips, tricks, just like what we're doing. Yeah. No one's going to sit there and poke fun and, and treat it, treat, treat you like, like it's middle school or high school and, and make fun of you. It's no, I've been there. I've done that. Here's how you can, you know, o- overcome that. Yeah. And that's, that's what we've ran into plenty. And that's helped us shape our, not our whole direction, but it's helped steer us in the right direction. Yeah. It's a better, better way to pitch that. And I would say most people struggle with identifying their target audience because they're either really large. I've been at companies that are so big, they have an identity crisis or because they just started a business and they don't know who they are as an individual. And if you don't know who are you as an individual, how can you define what your company is? But what's interesting, the individual's identity always comes in at the end. So whether you're the individual who's starting a company, you don't know your own identity and you aren't secure in who you are, you may know exactly who you sell to, but you may be insecure in that. But at the same time, I've been in companies who are 600 million to multi-billion dollar companies that know they need to go south, but continue to go north because it's not cool to go south. That other direction they need to go isn't the cool solution. It's not the cool product. It's not the cool concept. We're not going to be brand recognition and known by everyone. We're going to be brand recognition and known in our niche. And so what it comes down to is identity. So one of the biggest pieces of advice is work with your friends, work with your family, or even get a counselor, figure out your identity before you go down this path. Or if you already own a business and you feel like your business is having an identity crisis, you probably are as well. You just won't admit it. And I, I, that was me. I, I've had that same problem. That's why I took the shred job because I had an identity crisis. I was a software sales rep. I was super intellectual and smart. I started selling shred simply because I knew I needed to humble myself and not find my identity in what I did, but find my identity in my why. Well, I think that there that speaks to not every answer that you uncover or go looking for is going to be pretty. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Don't don't worry if it's not beautiful. Yeah. That's not the point. That's not the end result. It's just another page, another chapter in your book. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. To where just keep writing, keep your head down in yeah. a positive way and just keep just muscling forward, you're good. Yeah. Which I love that. Again, it's just a personal experience. And that's something that, yeah, you learn and grow from. Yeah. Just like a business grows and adapts. Right. And to me, it's just crazy whether you're multi-billion or just starting. It's all the same because we're all human. We all have our own insecurities and we just appreciate, I'm just kind of emotional over it, but we appreciate people tuning in and just listening to us because we genuinely want to help people work through the emotional side as well as the intellectual side of business because neither one is more important than the other. So, And on that point too, just to piggyback, to anyone who is listening to us, please engage with us. We would absolutely love that at any age, any person, any business, industry, anything. We would love to be able to talk to you, sit down, meet up, go get a happy hour, lunch, coffee, any of it. Because it really is a small world and we can all use one more relationships, more friendships and break down those walls. Because, I mean, being in Minnesota, it's one of those moments. Yeah. Our our best friends aren't from kindergarten. (laughs) Some people would say. Unfortunately not. No. But to, to cap it off before we wrap it up, I would say it's understanding that we've seen so many individuals 
who feel like they're out there alone and you don't need to be. And most importantly, Thor and I, there's no dumb question. There's no the right question. There's no one who's at a stage we, we aren't interested in helping. So always reach out. Oh, yeah. No zero where you're zero at, judgment. You know? Stop in, hang out. Totally fine. Yeah. So yeah. next week's value prop, super Exciting. important. It's it's the first part that adds a little bit of sales flair to it, which is always exciting. Get a little hyped up on that. But before we get into that next week, we hope you all that are listening have a great rest of your week that if you haven't decided to start the business, you do now because you have the first two parts you can start on. Doesn't even mean you need to tell people. You can keep it to yourself, but you can go do some market research and you can start developing your target audience, your ideal client profile. But till then... Stay hungry, stay humble, and stay at it.